Welcome back to the Hemingway List podcast for book 15, chapter 2 of War and Peace. After losing Andre, poor Natasha now also loses Petya. How will she deal with both losses at the same time, and how do you predict her mourning will be? A um, bit of a similar question to yesterday's discussion prompt, but that's alright. Uh, Ripster66 says, Natasha is numb and isolating herself from her family, immediately stays at her mother's side to help her through the shock of Petra's death. The horror of her mother's grief is enough to pull Natasha back into reality. I feel like Natasha will grieve her brother differently now, uh, sorry, differently than how she grieved Andrew. Andrew was her future, but Petra was her familial past. Poor Natasha is about to experience one of Tolstoy's deep spiritual awakenings. Kara Kikar says, I think Natasha is avoiding mourning for Petra by taking care of her mother. Responding to grief is different for everyone, but I think keeping busy so you don't have to think about it is pretty common. Honestly, I think this shows the depth of her grief. She was sad at the loss of Andre, but now, but not so sad that she couldn't feel the feelings. But I think the loss of Petra has put her over some emotional edge. So now she can't stand to feel anything and must instead let others feel. Yeah, yeah, I think you might be onto something there. Just can't imagine, can you? How sad she must feel. That guy you know says, just caught up after a few months of being behind, looking forward to finishing out a chapter a day with you all like I started. Awesome, welcome back. Thanks for joining us. Few thoughts, warning, these may be hot takes. As we round out the end of this book, I've come to the conclusion that I think Tolstoy wanted to write his own history of events and how he believes they happened, but nobody would listen to him, so he decided to write a novel instead and just hides chapters of his, well, actually, alternative history moments in between. These moments are actually so incredibly boring, I think that a version of the book with these cut out would improve the overall book by a lot. That being said, I don't think I would remember this story to anyone. Oh, sorry. I don't think I would recommend this story to anyone. It is true to me that there are three to five chapters that are potentially some of the best I've ever read, but the hundreds of chapters that slog on and on in between, mostly the history ones where Tolstoy is basically holding you hostage and giving you his opinion like a drunk person, do not make it worth it to me. Are other works of his like Anna Karenina slog free, or does he go on and on in that as well? Anna Karenina had a weird structure to it. I can't remember if it was slog or not. It's not as long a book, but I do think it still waffles on a little bit. Um, yeah, it is an interesting one. One of the things to remember is, like, books back then, a lot of these classic books from 1800s and stuff, it was a big thing to buy a book, you know? To get a book was... Uh, I guess, I don't know, more more valuable as the receiver of the book because they didn't have television or anything like that this this was how you could read a story and be transported somewhere else and a lot of these old books waffle on and stretch it out as long as possible because it's almost like that's what the readers wanted if you're going to get a book you want it to last as long as possible uh, and be in that world for as long as possible it's almost like getting your money's worth right we don't really see it that way anymore. We just want a book to be entertaining from start to finish and to not go for too long or not, you know, drag on. Um, so, yeah, you find that with a lot of older books. 
Some of them were intentionally way longer than they needed to be just to prolong the experience of reading it for that reason. Because that's what readers wanted then. We're very different now as readers. Now, that being said, I do understand what you mean. I am my Aussie version of War and Peace, which I don't intend to cut anything out, not even a single sentence, but I do want to add humor to every single chapter. My goal is to give you um, four or five laughs per chapter, even if they're just little laughs, big laughs preferably, but four or five humorous moments per chapter without having to actually change the story at all just through the fact that it's, you know, a new style of storytelling. But actually the entire narrative stays completely intact. It's just the language used. And hoping through that I can give you a few laughs. And I think if you can get four or five laughs per chapter, you don't mind that there's hundreds and hundreds of chapters. Because of all at least got that little moment where you were like, huh, oh well, I got a chuckle. It's at least worth reading a boring chapter if there's a chuckle. Let's read chapter 3. Princess Mary postponed her departure. Sonia and the Count tried to replace Natasha, but could not. They saw that she alone was able to restrain her mother from unreasoning despair. For three weeks, Natasha remained constantly at her mother's side, sleeping on a lounge chair in her room, making her eat and drink and talking to her incessantly, because the mere sound of her tender, caressing tones soothed her mother. The mother's wounded spirit could not heal. Petcha's death had torn from her half her life. When the news of Petcha's death had come, she had been a fresh and vigorous woman of fifty, but a month later, she left her room a listless old woman, taking no interest in life. But the same blow that almost killed the Countess, this second blow restored Natasha to life. A spiritual wound produced by a rending of the spiritual body is like a physical wound and, strange as it may seem, just as deep wound may heal and its edges join, physical and spiritual wounds alike can yet heal completely, only as the result of a vital force from within. Natasha's wound healed in that way. She thought her life was ended, but her love for her mother unexpectedly showed her that the essence of life, love, was still active within her. Love awoke and so did life. Prince Andre, Prince Andre's last days had bound Princess Mary and Natasha together. This new sorrow brought them still closer to one another. Princess Maya put off her departure, and for three weeks looked after Natasha as if she had been a sick child. The last weeks passed in her mother's bedroom had strained Natasha's physical strength. One afternoon, noticing Natasha shivering with fever, Princess Mary took her to her own room and made her lie down on the bed. Natasha lay down, but when Princess Mary had drawn the blinds and was going away, she called her back. I don't want to sleep, Mary. Sit by me a little bit. You are tired. Try to sleep. No, no. Why did you bring me away? She will be asking for me. She is much better. She spoke so well today, said Princess Mary. Natasha lay on the bed and in the semi-darkness of the room scanned Princess Mary's face. Is she like him? thought Natasha. She like and yet not alike. But she is quite original, strange, new and unknown. She loves me. What is in her heart? All that is good, but how? What is her mind? What does she think about me? Yes, she is splendid. 
Mary, she said timidly, drawing Princess Mary's hand to herself. Mary, you mustn't think me wicked, no. Mary, darling, how I love you. Let us be quite, quite friends. And Natasha, embracing her, began kissing her face and hands, making Princess Mary feel shy but happy by this demonstration of her feelings. From that day, a tender and passionate friendship such as exists only between women was established between Princess Mary and Natasha. They were continually kissing and saying tender things to one another and spent most of their time together. When one went out, the other became restless and hastened to rejoin her. Together, they felt more in harmony with one another than either of them felt with herself when alone. A feeling stronger than friendship sprang up between them, an exclusive feeling of life being possible only in each other's presence. Sometimes they are silent for hours, sometimes after they already were already in bed, they would begin talking and go on till morning. They spoke most of what was part, long past. Princess Mary spoke of her childhood, of her mother, of her father, her daydreams, and Natasha, who, with a passive lack of understanding, had formerly turned away from that life of devotion, submission, and the poetry of Christian self-sacrifice. Now feeling herself bound to Princess Mary by affection, learned to love her past too, and to understand a side of life previously incomprehensible to her. She did not think of applying submission and self-abnegation to her own life, but she was accustomed to seek other joys. But she understood and loved in another those previously incomprehensible virtues. For Princess Mary, listening to Natasha's tales of childhood and early youth, there also opened up a new and hitherto uncomprehended side of life, belief in life and its enjoyment. Just as before... They never mentioned him so as not to lower as they thought their exalted feelings by the words, but this silence about him had the effect of making them gradually begin to forget him without being conscious of him. Natasha had grown thin and pale and physically so weak that they all talked about her health, and this pleased her. But sometimes she was suddenly overcome by fear not only of death, but of sickness, weakness and loss of good looks and involuntarily she examined her bare arm, carefully surprised at its thinness, and in the morning noticed her drawn and, as it seemed to her, piteous face in her glass. It seemed to her that things must be so, and yet it was dreadfully sad. One day she went quickly upstairs and found herself out of breath. Unconsciously she immediately invented a reason for going down, and then, testing her strength, ran upstairs again, observing the result. Another time when she called Danyasha, her voice trembled, so she called again, though she could hear Danyasha coming. Called her in the deep chest tones in which she had been wont to sing, and listened attentively to herself. She did not know, and would not have believed it, but beneath the layer of slime that covered her soul, and seemed to her impenetrable, delicate young shoots of grass were already sprouting, which, taking root, would so cover with their living verdure, the grief that weighed her down, that it would soon no longer be seen or noticed. The wound had begun to heal from within. At the end of January, Princess Mary left for Moscow, and the Count insisted that Natasha, going with her, to consult the doctors. Alright, there we go. There's another chapter for you. Natasha and Maya are growing closer, which is nice. And Natasha has been pulled out of her grief by um, the, the love she's feeling towards her mother. 
nice chapter. All right, thanks for listening. I'll see you tomorrow.